Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Last week, I, I talked about having believe in your eyes. How many of y'all were here last Sunday when we talked about that? Okay, believe in your eyes. You know, I'm talking about that kind of belief whenever it's just contagious to other people. They know that you believe in them. So it changes them. It transforms, transforms them and really causes them to believe in themselves and to believe in who God's made them to be. It's funny, I walked right out of the uh, doors and I looked at my phone. I'd gotten a text from a, a friend of mine, a, a coach, and he said, you know, that's exactly it, Steve. He said, it's believe in your eyes. He, he was a coach of um, a group of cross-country runners. They won eight consecutive state championships. And he said, it was all because, he said, they knew I believed in them. They saw that believe in my eyes and it became contagious. He said, the leaders on the team began to encourage the other ones and they all believed in one another. Can I tell you, believe will change It'll change not only you, but it will change the culture. It'll change the atmosphere of our city, our region, and our world. I really believe that. Do you believe that? Two or three, you believe that? That's good. Well, let's, uh, that's review of last week. Let's, let's move forward. And uh, I wanna look at a scripture in uh, Galatians 5, 6. Galatians 5, 6. It kind of sums up what we talked about last week. Galatians 5, 6. Do we have that? All right, the only thing that counts, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. Did you get that? Paul said the only thing that really matters, the only thing that really counts is believe in our eyes that expresses itself in the way we love. Now, here's how Jesus said that in um, uh John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus jumped on that. I mean, it's the last, it's just hours before he goes to the cross. And he says this, he says, a new command I give to you. Everything that I've shared in the past, I'm gonna sum it up for you. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And the next verse says, and by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. See, Jesus is saying the exact same thing Paul said. He said, listen, it all comes down to love. How many of you uh, like Marvel comics? You, you do the Marvel comic thing. Nobody, not in area one. Those things are not making much money, I guess, then, because if, if, there's movies, everything is Marvel. It's all about superpowers. How many of you wish you had a superpower? All right, more people want a superpower. That's what we're gonna talk about today. Guess what our superpower is? Our superpower is love. Faith expressing itself in love. The whole world will know that we belong to Jesus. How come? Because we love one another so extravagantly. So we're gonna talk about that a little bit here. And so I wanna talk to you a little bit about how does your superpower work? What does that look like? And Paul, we talked about this last week a little bit, but let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. And we're gonna unpack this this afternoon. 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud. 
It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Say that with me. Love never fails. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? It's love. Our superpower is love. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Just a couple of observations and we'll dive right into the word. The first one is the only way, the only way to fulfill Jesus's teachings is to be head over heels in love with God. That should have elicited some sort of response. How many of you have ever been head over heels in love? I mean, just head over heels in love with somebody. It affected everything about the way you lived, didn't it? You didn't have to have a checklist. We went through a big checklist of this is what love is. Love's patient, love's kind, love doesn't envy, it doesn't get angry, it doesn't get mad, it, 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 it doesn't get proud. You didn't have to have a checklist, did you? Why? You're head over heels in love. You woke up in the morning and all you could think about was that person in your life that you wanted to spend time with, that you wanted to hang out with, that you wanted to do things with. Can I tell you, when we come to that place where we're head over heels in love with God, the whole world will know that we're his disciples. It will, it will, it'll, it'll change everything. Second observation very quickly is, your superpower is absolutely the most powerful weapon in the universe. But it's a secret weapon that very few people know about. See, we have a lot of songs about love. We have, we have a lot of movies about love. We have a lot of books about love. We have a lot of thoughts about love. But very few people know how to truly love. And so this morning we're gonna talk to, to you about your, what your superpower looks like and how do you use your superpower. We're gonna um, unlock four things this, this evening. So for those of you who are going, golly, that was a long list. Surely you're not gonna talk about all of those things that love is. Well, we're just gonna talk about four things because I think these four things encompass all that love is. The first thing is love is patient. The second thing is love is not proud. The third thing is love always believes the best. And the fourth thing is love always wins. Love always wins, it never fails. So let's start out with um, the key to your superpower. I'm gonna give you two things because this is absolutely important that you get this. Two things about your superpower. Number one, it begins with God. Because John said it this way in John, 1 John 4, verse 16, he says, God is love. Let's say it together. God is love. Now, I don't know what your thoughts are. Maybe you've had experiences with God that seemed a little subpar to you, but can I tell you, God is love. And a couple of verses after that, he says this, we love because God first loved us. That should have elicited some kind of response. See, your superpower is energized by the love of God. If you can remember those two things, everything else that I will say makes sense. So the first thing is love is patient. Love is patient. Do you believe that? You know why love is patient? Love is patient because God is never in a hurry. 
He's, he's not. He's, he has plenty of time for you. COVID has not freaked him out at all. He just gets a little more time with us. And he, he, he's, just, he's just patient with you. Aren't you glad that he meets you where you're at and not where he wants you to be? He loves you too much to say, hey, come on, I, I, I'll, I'll just spend time with you. I will help you get where I want you to be. Now, patience, I found that, that few people really believe that love is patient. Uh, in, in fact, many tend to believe that if it's true love, it, it throws off all patience. Have, have you noticed that? You know, I talk to couples sometimes and they say, oh, Steve, I'm just so in love. I'm, I'm, I'm just in love. I'm, I, I'm passionate about this person. And so the idea is love does not wait. I said, whoa, slow down a little bit here. Love is patient. Love waits. There's almost this idea that if you really love somebody, that after, you know, four, five, six weeks, you know, you're going to show them how much you love them. Can I tell you, love is patient. Love's not in a hurry. One of the things that I've done during the uh, pandemic time, my, my, right, really on a dare, my wife told me, she said, uh, got, got a show. How many of you have binge watched a few shows during the pandemic? And uh, so she was watching this show and I said, I think I'd like to watch. Oh, you'll never watch that. It's too slow. It's too slow. And, and it was, it was slow. But I took her up on the dare and I started watching it. It's called uh, When... Wind Calls the Heart. Any of you seen Wind Calls the Heart? Okay. So I start watching Wind Calls the Heart because I like history and I like, you know, old cowboy type stuff. But it's in Canada. And so the first thing is this guy shows up in this red coat, and this red suit. He's a Mountie. He looks like Dudley Do-Right with the hat and all that. And I'm thinking, this is the goofiest thing I've ever seen in my life. So Dudley Do-Right or Jack falls in love with the school teacher, Elizabeth. Some of y'all look like, look, y'all watch this, okay? Diane and I, for sure. And so I'm watching this and you can tell they, they kind of make an eyes, they kind of like each other and all this stuff. But I'm here to tell you, it takes five seasons. Five, everybody say five seasons. That's a, that's a lot of episodes before they ever even kiss. And I'm watching that and I'm thinking, but you know what happens? As I'm watching it, I'm going, the tension is just building. And I mean the romance and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, just kiss her. Just tell her you love her. Do something, you know. Dudley won't do it though. You know, he's just, he's hanging in there. But you know what? When it actually happens, you know, I'm just sitting there going, oh my goodness, this is, this is special. This is powerful. This, is, this means something. Because see, true love waits, it, it's patient, it's patient. It's, it's not this hurried, well, we're gonna get all of our, can I tell you that hurriedness is selfishness. That's what it is, it's I, I want what I want, I want it now, kind of sounds like Samson, right? I, I see that woman, she looks good, get her for me. It didn't turn out well for Samson. It won't turn out well for us. Love is patient. You know, aren't you glad God's patient with you? You know, patient love looks like kindness. In fact, one of the versions says, loving kindness. You know, kindness is interesting because kindness says that I care more about others than I care about myself. And so the great counterfeit 
of kindness is manipulation. See, see, in order for kindness to be authentic, it can't have any ulterior motives. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, most people, if you do something kind, you do an act of kindness to them, what's their response? Well, so, so what, what do you want from me? What do you need? Why is that? Because true kindness is so uh, uncommon in our culture today. When I moved to Dripping Springs 20 plus years ago to start a church there, I went to every pastor in town, took them to lunch. I met with the mayor, took him to lunch, a superintendent of schools, anybody who was significantly influential in town. And I took them to lunch. I felt like the Lord said, just, just go there and listen to their story get to know them, and just ask them one question. How can I serve you? How can I serve you? And you know what? Just about every one of them said, so what, what do you want from me? See, it's so common. We're so used to somebody's kindness really being manipulation. See, if, we, if we'd be a people of our word and we would just be kind because Jesus is kind, I, th I think the whole world would go, what? That you don't want anything in return? No, just want to be kind to you. Just, it's the right thing to do because see, the spirit of Jesus lives in me and when he comes out of me, it just looks like kind. You know, right? I, I, I think God, I think we'd be amazed at what would happen in our culture around us if we would just be a people that were kind, loving kindness, just flowing out of us. So, Love, patient love. You know what patient love doesn't do? It doesn't compare. Patient love doesn't compare and it doesn't envy. It doesn't envy others. In other words, patient love doesn't want to have what doesn't, it, do, it doesn't want what it doesn't have. You know, um, my grandparents, uh, they've been with Jesus for a long time, but they, they modeled for me what patience, just being very, uh, living very simply and uh, just willingness to wait. You know, they had very few things, but what they had, they took uh, meticulous care of them, you know, and, and they waited for what they needed, not what they wanted, but what they needed and, and, and I remember as a kid watching them and thinking, wow, there's something really powerful about that. Now, they're the most generous people in the world. They give the shirt off their back. They give you anything. But for themselves, they were very patient and they didn't compare with others. Now, see, we, we all struggle with this comparison thing, don't we? We all struggle with comparison. He's beyond compare. There's no one who can compare with him. And the truth is he desires that none of us, Paul said, it's, it's not wise to compare yourself with others. He desires for every one of us to, to understand that we're one of a kind, that, that we're, we're God, God crafted, that we're unique and that we uniquely reflect, we uniquely emanate the glory of God. See, scripture says it's Christ in us that's the hope of glory for the whole world. 
And so a lot of times people think, well, you know, God, he doesn't want to share his, can I tell you, God's all about sharing. He's all about sharing his glory, but he wants to get his glory out of us into other people. And that happens through loving kindness. That happens through patience. That happens through not comparing. That happens through not being envious, but just showing the love of Christ flowing out of us. Patient love also refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh. Do you rejoice with others whenever they're blessed? When good things happen to them, do you cheer them on? Do you go, man, that's awesome? Or do you go, man, why did that? that I'm, why not me? Why did they get that? I'm more qualified than fill in the blank. See, loving kindness, uh, patient love, it's not jealous, but it rejoices when others are blessed. So stop comparing, stop being jealous. Stop being impatient because love is patient. Second thing I want to tell you about love, love is not proud. Love is not proud. And you think, well, that, that sounds pretty obvious. Well, love is not proud because God's not proud or arrogant. One version says, God does not brag or boast. Uh, boasting is based on comparison thinking, not kingdom thinking. How do you think? Are you, are, are you a kingdom thinker? See, see, a kingdom thinker rejoices. When, when, when anybody succeeds, we all succeed, okay? A comparison thinker is always thinking, well, you know, there's only one pie and there's only so many slices. When that last slice is gone, I'm out, so I'm gonna get my piece. How many of you know God can make as many pies as he wants to make? It's all about perspective. It's all about having a kingdom vision, a kingdom perspective, a perspective of love that is bigger than our self-centered, narcissistic, me-centered cultural thinking. So love is not proud. Let's just call it humble love. What, What does humble love look like? Humble love doesn't do shame, it doesn't do guilt, and it doesn't do dishonor or disrespect. Think about that. What, what, what is the thing that the enemy traffics in most? Shame. What else? Guilt, fear, disrespect, dishonor, all of those things. Love doesn't exalt, bring others down to exalt itself. But humble love, humble love makes you a cheerleader for people. Humble love makes you want the best for others. It's not competing for God's love. How many of you know there's enough God to go around for the 7.7 billion people on the planet of the earth? There's plenty of love to go around. For God so loved the world. God loves people. The world is people. God so loves people. When you see people, you see opportunity to love as God would love them, to allow his love to flow out of you. Love's not angry. Humble love is not a bully, but humble love shares. See, I think, I think it all goes back, this whole uh, poverty deal goes back to the garden where the serpent is still screaming to us today, God's withholding something from you. Can I tell you, God's not withholding anything from you. God is saying, everything I have, I want you to hear this. God is saying, everything I have 
is yours and I freely give it to you as an inheritance. But as a good father, there are some things that we're just not ready for yet. Hello? And so he's saying, listen, I wanna give you more than you could ever imagine, but I wanna prepare you so that whenever you get it, it will be a blessing to you and a blessing through you. That it won't be something that will preoccupy you as if you did something to earn it. You're just a son and son gets the inheritance. You're just a daughter and a daughter gets the inheritance. That's the love way that God wants us to think. That's the love kingdom-minded thinking that love thinking that God wants us to have. One thing that humble love does is it doesn't keep record of wrongs. How many of you, whenever I was reading those, you thought, oh, ouch. Any rule keepers here? Any record keepers? Any, any score keepers here? I'm a scorekeeper. I hate it. Uh, we were at the uh, retreat. Uh, we did a leader's retreat. And uh, some of us were at the ping pong table. And I said, uh, I said we, somebody said, we, are we gonna keep score? And I just said, Hey man, if we, you know, what's the use of playing the game if we're not gonna keep score, right? So, some of you can agree with that. Can I tell you what, and that sounded innocent, and everybody laughed, yeah, yeah. But you know, the truth is, I, w- I wanted to show uh, uh, Tom Cavazos that I, I could play ping pong, you know? <laughs> See, that's the way we are. So many times we, we begin, we think that we can exalt ourselves through keeping this, this slate of good, bad, right, wrong, who's better, who's worse kind of thing. How many of you know that Jesus solved that problem? Jesus solved that problem. He put us all on equal footing. He put us on equal ground. How many of you know that the cross is the great equalizer and the resurrection is the great victory? Okay? So no record of wrongs. That's what love looks like. It, it, it really... Um, it, it's a great motivator to compete, but a terrible way to live in love. No one likes a scorekeeper because you can't keep the standards. The people that you're trying to Im- impose the standards on, they can't keep it either. Humble love isn't about me first. It's about serve first. It's about give first. Number three, love always believes the best. Loves always believes the best. Uh, Love believes the best because God believes the best in people. God is love and we love because God first loved us. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says it this way. Love is not easily angered. And contrary to popular opinion, God is not easily angered. He doesn't fly off the handle. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't lose his temper. He's not easily irritated. He, he's, not, he's not quick to take up an offense. How many of you know that God is unoffendable? How many of you know that love is unoffendable? True love is unoffendable. And I believe that if, if you take away the uh, offendability of your heart, then it's pretty hard to have a fight with people, isn't it? You know, I, I, that's a a whole, whole other topic on what does reconciliation look like? What does forgiveness look like? Look at this scripture here in uh, 2 Peter 3, 9. Actually, I'm just gonna read it to you. It says this, the Lord is slow to keep his promise, is not slow to keep his promises as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient 
with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but even not wanting anyone to perish, but that all would come to repentance. How many of you heard that verse before? Lord, Lord's not slow to keep his promises, right? Let me give you some context of that. Do you know what this scripture is about here? This is, this is in 2 Peter 3, 9. And this was written by Peter in about 65, 66, 67. And Peter is a guy who's been with Jesus, right? He knew what love looked like. He saw love. He experienced love. He walked and talked with love. And you know what? Peter remembered the last, some of the last things that Jesus said while he was on the planet. Over in Matthew 25, Jesus said this, or 24, Jesus said this, this generation, talking to the people of that day that were there in real time, the ones who heard it, he said, this generation, how long is a generation? 40 years. This generation will certainly not pass away until all of the things that I have spoken come to pass. What was Jesus talking to them about? He's talking about the destruction of the temple. I mean, they're there. I mean, the glorious temple where all the sacrifices took place, where, I mean, the heart of Judaism of the day. And there were people there that were just looking at him like, how in the world? This is, this is one of the wonders of the world. How would this thing ever fall down? Jesus says, you watch, in one generation, this whole thing will crumble. So, I was in about 30 AD. What's the extent of a generation? 70 years? That would put you at about 70 AD. You know what happened in 70 AD? It crumbled. The temple crumbled. All of Jerusalem was sieged. What Jesus said took place in one generation. Now let's read that again. The Lord is not slow to keep his promises as some have understood slowness. Because some of those people who had heard it are thinking, ah, this thing, this temple would never be destroyed. Our, our whole sacrificial system and law-based system would never come to an end. He said, instead, he's patient. Why do you think God is so patient? Because he desires that all of us should come to repentance. He's waiting to the very last moment for that thing to, to fall down because he wants every single person to come to know him. He says, not wanting anyone to perish. What happened? That's not talking about the end of time deal. That's talking about the destruction of Jerusalem to real people in real time. Just a little food for thought there. Last thought here, love. Love is, is patient, right? Love is not proud. But look at this, love never fails. Love never fails. First, first Corinthians 13, let's take a look at this. Seven through eight says this. Love always protects, always trusts, believes the best. It always hopes, it perseveres. Love never fails. Now, how would you like to have and live by a superpower that always wins? So that's what uh, Paul is saying. The love of God flowing through you is that potent, is that powerful 
that it never fails. Do you, do you believe that? How many, of you, how many of you think that the disciples or how many of the disciples in that day when Jesus was hanging on the cross, loving the world, God demonstrating his love for us in this while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How many of you think, how many of those disciples do you think were thinking to themselves, wow, love is winning right now. Wow, love, love is winning. Look at, look at the angry people that are, are beating Jesus and spearing the side and the thorns on his head. And love, man, love is winning right now. Hey, love's winning. No, where were, where were all of Jesus' disciples save one? They, they had run away. Except for a few women there at the cross with John, they'd all run away. You know why? Because love appears one way to the eyes of those who've never experienced the love of the true lover, the Lord Jesus. But when you see it in the fullness, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, love won. Once and for all, the final, it is finished, it is accomplished exclamation point. And yet many times we look at things on the outside, we say, why would I, this person has done this, that to me, why would I respond in love? Can I tell you, it's because love always wins. Love never fails. See, and it tells you why, because love always perseveres. Love keeps going. You know, I think that's one of the reasons why 1 Corinthians 13 is, is such a popular wedding vow uh, scripture, right? There's some of you thought, I, I thought that was only done at weddings, right? I don't know that... You know, it's always at a wedding. Can I tell you, that's a good place for it because wedding is about at the exchange of a covenant. A covenant's a binding agreement between two parties for the purpose of oneness. How many of you know that God's end game is oneness? Just go back and read John 17. It's all about oneness. God wants us to be one with him, in relationship with him, above and beyond anything. The reason he's created us, the reason he has redeemed us is for oneness. He wants us to experience that love and that life with him. And whenever a couple exchange their vows, get one of the things they say, till death do us part. What is that? That's covenant language to say, we're in this thing, we're gonna persevere through it. How many couples do we have here who've been married over 20 years? Can you see your hands? All right, how many of you would give me an amen that love requires perseverance? Okay, it does. And so it, it, it perseveres. It always trusts, it believes the best in your spouse. It believes the best in other people. Finally, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says this. And now, he's summing it all up. And now, there, there's three things that are eternal, that will remain. He says, faith. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. He's saying your secret weapon, the most powerful weapon in the universe is the way we love. In fact, the world will know who we are, that we belong to Jesus by the way 
We love one another. My question is, is very simple. Have you embraced God's love? Have you embraced God's love in Jesus? Have you received your superpower? See, your superpower is not just a word, it's a person. Your superpower is Jesus. Scripture says, if we could have that scripture in uh, Mark 1.15, Jesus' very first message, he says it this way. Do we have that scripture? Okay. It says, the time, the time has come. And I'd say to you, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, we've got to change our way of thinking about everything. We've got to learn the language of love. We've got to trust our lives completely. We've got to believe with believing eyes this good news. See, the good news is that the love of Christ is available through Jesus's death and resurrection. It's available for our freedom. Not only freedom from sin, but freedom to live as Jesus created us. So I'm just gonna ask you, if you would, just sitting there right where you're at, if you would like to give your life to Jesus, maybe for the very first time in your life, maybe for the 14,000th time in your life. How many of you know that when we take communion together, it's primarily about re-upping. It's, prim it's primarily about saying, all right, God, I, I, I'm all in. Man, I'm, I'm all in. Thank you. I'm, give me more. I, I wanna eat you. I wanna receive all of you. I'm all in. But can I tell you what? There's a beginning point where we shift the way we think and we receive, we believe. So I'm gonna just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm gonna ask us to say this prayer together. And if this is the first time in your life that you said, said it, I want you to say it with your whole heart and know that there's gonna be a shift that'll take place in your life. So let's pray together. And just simply pray, Father, I turn from unbelief and self-reliance and I receive your great gift of love, Jesus. I declare Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. I declare that I am a child of God. And Lord, I receive your empowering Holy Spirit to live for you, from this day forward, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I wanna ask you, in front of all these folks here, if you said that for the first time, that prayer, would you have the courage just to stand up and say, I'm all in, I'm all in. Has anybody prayed that for the first time tonight? Amen. 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 Anybody else who'd say, I'm nailing it down. I'm all in with Jesus today. See, I, and I want to encourage you. 
if I believe there's I believe there's some others maybe. I want to encourage you to, to go to a pastor, go to one of our prayer leaders, share it with a friend, because this is only the first step of many steps in your journey with Jesus. And can I tell you, you've already got your secret weapon. It's the weapon of love. It, it, doesn't, get any, it doesn't get any deeper than that. It doesn't get any, any bigger than Jesus. Jesus is the full deal. Amen? Let's just stand together and worship King Jesus.